you are listening to Impact Hustlers, and I am your host, Michael Schaffert. I have made it my mission to inspire the next generation of entrepreneurs to solve some of the world's biggest social and environmental problems. And for this reason, I am speaking to some of the best entrepreneurs out there who are solving problems such as food waste, climate change, poverty, and homelessness. My goal is that Impact Hustlers will inspire you either by starting an impact business yourself, by joining the team of one, or by taking a small step, whatever that may be, towards being part of the solution to the world's biggest problems. In today's episode, I speak to Christian Zimmerman, the co-founder and CEO of Coins, an app helping people pay off debt and achieve financial freedom by starting a habit of saving money. The app uses a range of automated ways of saving money, for example, by rounding up card payments or taking a fixed amount from each paycheck and automatically pays off debt as well as accumulates savings for their users. Coins has helped its users pay off more than 20 million US dollars in debt so far, and it's great to have you on the show today, Christian. Yeah, thank you, Michael. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Great to have you. So uh, let's dive straight into the problem that you're solving. So uh, I think probably everybody listening to this has heard of what a massive problem debt has become for a lot of people. Debt has been inherently connected to the millennial and uh, uh, millennial generation, especially. Um, uh, you're based in the US. Uh, there's this massive topic of college debt as well. Um, and uh, tell us a bit more about the problem. How big is that problem right now? Yeah, so, um, you know, for me personally, you know, I, I, uh, <clears throat> I studied business management at uh, Georgia State University here in Atlanta and, you know, coming out of college, I was the first one in my family to go to college, graduate. So I had student loans um, as well as personal loans, you know, credit card debt. Um, and so when I graduated, I wanted to try to see what I could do to solve my own problem. Um, and in doing so, I found that, you know, I wasn't the only one that had this problem. Um, obviously, on the student loan side, everyone uh, probably almost like was I think one in three, one in three or one in five millennials have some form of like uh, student loan debt. Uh, but from there, uh, typically it correlates to other types and other forms of debt as well, such as credit card debt or personal loans. Um, so, you know, uh, I think I want to say now that the total number is like 14 trillion dollars um, across all types of debts. So that's student loans, auto loans credit card debt, personal loans, mortgages, um, which mortgage isn't as bad, but, you know, it's still a, a large lump sum that you're putting down to, to purchase, you know, an asset, hopefully, uh, in this economy right now, it's a big asset, but, but yeah, that's, a, that's kind of how, how big of a problem it is. And with the pandemic, you know, obviously, uh, the government came in and helped and support with, with cash, which I think was great. Um, some people definitely use it to pay off debts. Others kind of just held on to it. And you're starting to see now that the, op the economy is opening up a little bit more, that people are starting to spend more. Um, it's holiday season. You know, it's Black Friday today. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of the credit card debt amounts increase astronomically going into uh, 2022. Yeah, um, and, and that seems like a vicious circle that a lot of people are in, right, where uh, debt is just accumulating interest payments are accumulating. I think on your website, you're mentioning uh, that the average US citizen pays about like more than $1,300 in just an in interest per year in terms of credit card debt, something like that, if I remember correctly. Um, uh, 
t- tell us about your personal situation when you came out of college. How was that situation? And uh, not everybody then decides to actually start a company as a result of a situation like this. So how did you get to actually start coins as a result of your own situation? Yeah, so for me, um, I was working at, a, at, I had worked at two startups in the past, one while I was in college, and then another one that was similar to the initial product coming out of college. Uh, one of my best friends, they got me the job there. And I got to learn kind of the ins and outs of, you know, what it takes to to start a company from the ground up, you know, all the dirty work that comes into, you know, getting your hands dirty and making, you know, the things kind of come to fruition, kind of from the vision to, you know, actual product. Um, so for me, I come out of college, I had this, this, this uh, initial problem pain point that I had, I wasn't actually trying to build a product off of it at the time, I was really um, just looking for a solution out that was already out there, or seeing if there was anything out there. And, uh, you know, there's Acorns, there's Capital, there's Digit, all, all great products, um, but they're only based, focus on asset-based savings. So, you know, fo- focus on the future. And, and I thought to myself, well, what, what if we looked at the other way? Like, instead of looking at assets, why aren't we looking at liabilities and helping you save on that front? So the credit card debt, so the student loans that you have, and applying similar methodologies around saving methods. Um, so I, I kind of looked to find a product that value prop was less around the savings and taking it a step further and could actually facilitate the payment for me. Um, and so that's kind of what we decided to build. Uh, there was this pitch competition at the time that I had applied for. I had just come up with this idea for coins. And um, long story short, I made top 10 for this pitch competition. It was for a $100,000 investment, which I'd never like obviously seen that type of one at the time and made top 10. And all I had at the time was a, a unbounced landing page, uh, a Fiverr video that I paid $35 for, and then a script that my friend had helped me kind of write out for the video, and a Google Forms that we had added to the to the, to the, to the website for a wait list. Um, and that was our like our initial MVP. So um, one of the things that I had learned in the past was that, you know, don't spend a lot of money up front, you know, really try to validate the, the product that it is you're trying to build. You know, um, are there customers, are the people that even have any interest in it? And then from there, you know, then expand on like, you know, spending money. So that's kind of the approach that I took. Um, but yeah, it was kind of really all kind of serendipitous in the aspect of me wanting to try to solve uh, my own problem. I wasn't trying to build a, a product at the time, but this pits competition uh, was kind of like calling was a calling to go and apply to kind of get myself jump started, And then within a month I had to really show and validate, you know, does this have any legs behind it? And so once I knew that it did, I decided to kind of just take that leap of faith, leave that company that I was working at. Um, they kind of, they kind of like let me go as well to kind of, because when you're a startup, they want to know that you're, you're 100% focused at that, at that place, but they saw my mindset and where my focus was. So they're like, Hey, you know, you go and do this. We're going to help you for the next month so you can get your feet on the ground, uh, But which was obviously v- really awesome. Uh, but it was almost like, a, oh, great. Like, now what? I have to do this. And so that's kind of the mindset I had. So at the point that you left that startup uh, to focus on coins, uh, you had done a bit of validation, right? So you spent a couple of bucks on, on basically uh, having a landing page, getting some initial interest. That's all you had done at that point. What type of validation did you have at that point when you 
when you went into coins and uh, started to focus your time on that? Yeah. So once I started, like, um, you know, as I mentioned, I had that waiting list. So I think I had about a few hundred people that had already signed up, people that I didn't know. So like, well, that was my, that was my big thing. It was like, can I get people that I don't even know signing up for a wait list for a product that I haven't even built yet? And that would tell me that, okay, it's not just my friends and family that are supporting me or like saying, Hey, good job. I wanted to see like, is this something that, you know, the outer world um, would actually, you know, be interested in. So that was kind of what my initial uh, validation was from there. Um, you know, I met my co-founder Nate and we, we started working together probably about a month or so after after I'd come up with the idea and, you know, I hadn't actually built the product yet. I knew what it needed to be built, what it needed to look like, but, you know, I hadn't built it. And so he kind of built a framework of what it would look like. And that was also kind of a very, um, exciting moment for me. Cause I hadn't seen anything that had come to kind of from my head, you know, into like an actual product that people could start using. And so that was another validation point where I was, okay, like now we have a product, we have uh, a, a list of customers that are willing to pay. Now we just need to start verifying our, you know, what, at what price point are the people willing to pay at? So we started at a dollar, but, um, but during that time, you know, again, we weren't really making money per se. We were just tr- excited about solving this problem and figuring out the things that come with it. Mm. And at, at least initially, if I understand correctly, you were kind of bootstrapping everything. Uh, I think you took like a part-time job to to fund yourself during that <laughs> period. Was that the case? How long did you do that? And when was the point where you kind of got some outside funding in, in some way? Yeah, I definitely bootstrapped it initially. Um, you know, I had never... I never thrown myself into these type of waters like venture capital funding and angel investing, things like that. I didn't know anything about that at the time. You know, so er- everything that I was doing, I was kind of learning as I went. Um, I had heard about, you know, these are some of the routes that you can take. I heard bootstrapping was one of the routes you could take. So, you know, unfortunately, I didn't have a lot of friends and family that could go and throw in like ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars, hundred thousand dollars at the time. Um, but over time I was able to build a network. Um, but yeah, to, to, to your question, like we did bootstrap it. I think it took about, um, before we like fully actually started paying ourselves, like legitimately, um, about two years. <laughs> um, so we, we got into an accelerator program, um, about a year and a half after we started. Um, and that we made like, I think we got $20,000 and that really didn't pay us. It was really to go back into the business. Um, but that was the most we had got at any one point. Um, and then from there, um, we had got our first angel investor, which was also pretty crazy because um, during that time that we were bootstrapping, I was doing part-time jobs. I was working, uh, I was doing brand ambassador work where I would work for different brands and like manage different events that they were hosting. So like actually when I, w- when I was leaving my job and then looking to figure out how I was going to pay the bills, um, one of uh, a buddy of mine who lived in Texas had reached out to me and said, Hey, like there's this job that you can do, you know, full time, but it's like part it's on your schedule. And at the time I'm like, how am I going to get that job? I already have a full time job, but then obviously I left. And then literally the same day that I left or the day after he called me back and said, Hey, do you still want the job? And so it was kind of like crazy how everything aligned really perfectly for me. So I was able to do that job. And, um, uh, you know, that was paying really well, kind of being able to still focus on, on coins. Um, and then unfortunately I got really sick. And so I ended up being stuck in the hospital for, for a little bit. And this was right. Also, as I left the other company thing, I'm like, have a good path of, 
of success to uh, continue coins. Um, but then I really got into like this kind of, uh, I guess, trough of like, not depression, but just really like a dark point where I was, I didn't know what, what was going to happen at that point. So started getting creative. Um, you know, I, I did, uh, I think going to that new year, I did have to take unemployment checks, which at the time I felt like was super, um, you know, not something that you did, but, you know, obviously now I, I obviously understand the value of, you know, that's the reason it's there for. It wasn't that I was trying to mooch off of it. You know, it was really in a position that I needed it. And so, you know, set the pride aside and use that for a little bit and then was able to get back on my feet. And from there, you know, started getting really creative. I had a car that I used to drive for Uber. Um, and so I started renting my car out. So instead of, you know, my biggest thing was time. How much, how can I give myself back enough time that I can utilize to put back into the business? And so I started renting out my car. So instead of Ubering, I would rent the car out, charge like $50 a day. And it was actually pretty lucrative. I had it rented out for almost like three years, two or three years, it was rented out, like almost nonstop. I think I got the car back maybe for like throughout the whole time, maybe a month. Um, And so I had a whole system down. I would literally like, I had an oil change shop. I had a a part shop. I had a car wash. I had a gas place all like within one block. And then once I got the car back, I'd have like this rotary system and then have it rented back out. And so that was how I paid most of my, most of my bills after that. Um, Yeah. Wow. So while you were trying to build a company, you were actually also running a, a hustle to fund yourself, right? With, with your <laughs> yeah. car and everything yeah, yeah. else. And, and, and what strikes me the most, um, I think on another show, you talked about the uh, health condition as well and a pre- pretty serious surgery at the time. Uh, and you're basically in this position, you're getting out of college, you're realizing that you're in well, you, you you know that you're in massive debt. You want to solve that problem of your own college debt. And your decision is to start a company uh, without a lot of funding, improvise, basically hustle to make sure that you can pay the bills. And at the same time, this health issue is, is uh, coming up. Like a lot of people would have given up at that point. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering why you haven't. Is it just your DNA, or what was it at the moment at, at that time that kept you going? Yeah, so I think for me, um, you know, I've always had like I'm an only child, but I've always had this like very like risk oriented appetite. Obviously calculated, but you know, I had taken during college, I had taken the risk of like taking a semester off, almost a whole year, and then traveling abroad, um, and just kind of like. Um, you know, getting to know myself, getting to understand like what it is I wanted to do in life. Um, I always had like an entrepreneurial mindset. So even when, uh, when I was in college and I took that time off, I went to Argentina and like did a study abroad program there, like not associated with the school, just kind of with myself and one of my mentors. And then kind of got to learn the business acumen outside of school, which was what really excited me. And then I went to Spain where I taught English, but while I was teaching English, I was also selling like my own like clothing brand at the time, uh, to skate shops. And so that's how I funded myself while I was in teaching English. Um, and so like, I knew I had this, this, this energy and this, like this hustle to like figure things out. Um, and so that was one thing that I always knew that I could like, I never really told myself I couldn't do something. Um, and so I think that was one of the biggest things that I took when I started my own company was that, you know, I have to have that type of mentality. Otherwise it's not going to work. Um, but obviously with the health issue, um, you know, I, I felt like I had lost that mentality a l- little bit and, you know, I was, 
you know, as I mentioned, like I did feel a little bit depressed. I feel a part of it was like the medication that I was on. Cause you know, I had had, I had had two open heart surgeries prior to this. I was getting told I was going to have a third one because I had this infection within my heart. And, you know, it's pretty depressing, <laughs> pretty, it sucks, especially as I just left the job, I'm trying to start my own company. Um, but I don't know, I had like a realization moment while I was in the hospital. Um, and I don't know, it just kind of felt like this weight kind of got taken off my shoulders. And it was like, you know, the worst that can happen is that it doesn't work. And the best the thing that can happen is it becomes wildly successful. And I learned something throughout the whole process. And that was really what, once I got, once I clicked in my head, I didn't really worry about anything else that came with, with the whole journey. Like, honestly, I loved, I loved the whole process. You know, I feel like sometimes it takes longer than you expect, but I've learned so much. And that's kind of the mentality I keep to today is like, you know, if I can't, if I personally can't take care of my health, then like none of this other pieces matter. And if I can take care of my health, then like, I should try to do everything that I can in my power to strive to be as great as I can and strive to do as much as I can for this business and strive to be as big of a, as much of a uh, example of like what you can do when you don't have anything. So. Hmm. And I, I assume it also gives you perspective, isn't it? Like if you're, if you face oh, yeah, health, absolutely. Uh, situation, it just gives you perspective on how little maybe in the end, as much as you think, The business obviously matters to you, but in, in the end, your health is, is on a whole nother level, right? Exactly, exactly. So, yeah. F thanks for sharing. Uh, wow. Um, uh, one thing I'd like to get into uh, a little bit further, and then, uh, uh, wow, uh, there's so much to your story that I'd love to dive deeper into, um, but we'll talk about the mechanics, mechanics of coins a little bit as well in a second. But uh, before that, I'd love to go a little bit deeper into your fundraising journey. So at which point did you actually get uh, external funding? Did you find it uh, was relatively straightforward? Was it really tough to fundraise for you? How, how did you approach that? Yeah, it's funny, like my current investors always say that, you know, you're really good at fundraising. And for me, I'm like, mm, I don't know about that. Like, it definitely has taken a while for all of it to click. Um, but yeah, like I said, I, our first real check um, our first official check came from this one investor, as I mentioned, we, that I met just randomly, um, we were working out of this incubator, not incubator, but this co-working space. And, uh, one of my mentors at the time, um, he, he wasn't a mentor at the time. I was looking for office space and he was like, Hey, come work out of this office space. We like what you're doing. Like, we think you, you'll do really well. Um, you know, we have free office space. So just all you have to do is help out with like certain things around the office co-working space. And I said, of course, um, cause I thought it was a great opportunity. And so one of the things that I would do is, um, send people their new coffee mugs. So everyone that joined this co-working space would actually get coffee mugs. And, um, so I, I messaged this one investor, told him, Hey, like, you know, your coffee mugs ready. He reached back out said, Hey, I love what you're doing. Connected with him kind of organically. And, you know, uh, long story short, he was able to invest my, our first like $10,000. And that was like the summer of like 2018. And then fall of 2018, uh, we had applied for accelerator programs. And that's when we got that $20,000 check from Queen City FinTech. But it, it took another like six months after that to, for us to raise like a real round of like $750,000. And, um, you know, it took, it took me taking a step back to understand, okay, like at what level are you trying to 
connect with a certain type of investors. This is what I found was that everyone's the ones looking for venture capital right out the gate, but really there's friends and family. If there's no friends and family, there's angel investors, high net worth individuals. If there's, and if, then if you can't get there, then obviously the venture capital. But all in all, you have to have traction. You have to show numbers. You have to have a good um, value prop and a business model that you know sounds like it can succeed for there to be any interest. The other thing that I found was that you can't just go and say, hey, I need money give me money. That's not how this works. It really does take a lot of like relationship building, getting to know each each side uh, of the table. And so that's really what I did. I started like reaching out, cold emailing everyone that I didn't know. Um, if I was traveling, I would cold email everyone um, that I had. I saw investor in their tag in LinkedIn and that started working for me. And so one of the, our first check, the 750 initial money uh, raise, that was really off of a cold email from LinkedIn was able to connect with the founder who worked at, eight, I believe, Acorns at the time. And um, he wasn't a founder at Acorns, but he was an employee at Acorns at the time. Um, and so from there, we were able to connect, flew out to LA or Orange County, and was able to raise our round just off of that that cold email. That doesn't happen for everyone, but you know that was kind of like my method. Wow. All right. Um, and uh, maybe something that isn't spoken uh, much about, uh, we had some episodes with uh, uh, founders in the space in the past. Um, but uh, yeah, you yourself, uh, you're Latino, uh, your first time founder, your co-founder, Nate, uh, is a black founder. I'm not sure if he's a first time founder as well. But um, uh, if you look at any of the statistics, you see that basically... Uh, minority founded startups are massively over uh, underfunded <laughs> underfunded and neglected by investors is that something that you experienced yourself um did you find there was like the cards were stacked against you or yeah i've definitely like uh have felt that um from time to time i think as well we're starting to see that change a little bit and we have i mean we definitely get the support obviously when it comes to the money and the valuation side of things you know i i always have felt that um, it, everything's been undervalued from, from my perspective. Um, but you know, again, to your point, like typically that's, that's a normal thing based on me being Latino and Nate being black, but, um, yeah, it, it's, it's one of the things I try not to like think about anymore. I mean, I definitely think about it and, you know, it's in the back of my head. Um, and it's a, definitely a conversation that needs to be had and be open about, um, But kind of like I mentioned before, like if 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 I, if I'm not able to succeed, um, then I'm not able to even have that type of conversation um, because I just I'm, then I'll be another statistic, and I don't want I don't want that. So I'm doing whatever and I can in my power to 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 continue to figure out ways to to create wins, um, to keep pushing forward, um, even if you know there are things that you know, and I've made mistakes too, kind of throughout the process. So you know, understanding what valuations look like, how you go about calculating them, how you go about actually raising with from the right investor, finding the right partners, like all those things kind of take into account of why this is a big problem. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Like I've, I mean, we've only raised to date um, two point, uh, I want to say just under $2.5 million like since our inception. We've been around for four years, four and a half years. Whereas our big, our closest competitors have all raised like 10 plus million dollars. Um, so, you know, I think that alone already tells you like, you know, we we're our We've done a way more, um, I think, with the amount of dollars that we've raised. Um, and we're in those same type of conversations with those same competitors. Um, so I, on that front, it's obviously very exciting. But 
yeah, would love to <laughs> would love to get another hundred million dollars from investments, but th- th- that's not a win for us. You know, I think the win is when we were able to say that we successfully exited, we're able to create impact, and again, that that goal of hitting that hundred million dollars in total debt paid off or your billion dollars, like whatever we can th- to make sure that we did create a positive impact in uh, our customers' uh, lives. Love it. Um, that's. That's a really important lesson to just, uh, yeah, keep focusing on that. And uh, maybe at some point also kind of giving back into the ecosystem when you're an exited founder and you can kind of contribute and give back and invest uh, in in people as well. Uh, Did that situation of uh, having raised relatively little funding compared to uh, some of your competitors out there, uh, did that kind of shift your focus on having to generate revenue pretty earlier, earlier than them, trying to be profitable earlier than them? Or do you feel like you're following a different strategy because of that? Or? Um, uh, yes and no. So like, you know, one of the other things is that we're based in Atlanta. So like raising capital here was, I, I almost, almost never raised any capital. I, I've all done it from like angel investors. Um, and so here, like you definitely, if you're a consumer startup, you need to raise, either raise a lot of money to grow or you raise you know, generate revenue to show traction. So for us, yeah, we definitely had to always focus on like, how do we generate monetize our customers um, to really more than anything, stay afloat. And then secondly, like obviously now, especially with the pandemic, how do we create a longer LTV for the customer? Um, so that's been our big focus now and, and less on like the, the growth of, of or scale of the customer. But, um, you know, now that we're getting post pandemic, we're definitely trying to, change that focus more on the uh, customer growth versus just revenue growth um but yeah absolutely it, it, the, the 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 way that we've approached it has been much more different in the aspect of i couldn't just go out there and get two million dollars and burn it and and say okay cool i'm gonna grow x amount of customers for free i couldn't do that i had to figure out ways to obviously pay the bills that we were using and the resources we were using to actually develop the product to you know maintain the business uh, while also being able to make sure that our customers are taken care of as well. So what I'd like to ask you is um, throughout this whole journey that we just discussed um, since starting Coins as a first-time founder, what was one of the hardest lessons that you had to learn during that journey? I'm sure there's a million lessons and things that you maybe would do differently. Uh, every founder I speak to has that, but is there anything that jumps out at you like a lesson learned that you can share with people listening to this um i think probably some of the biggest thing one of the biggest things um was like last year or so with just everything being remote and not being able to interact with my team as, as much as i'd like to and then also just you know interacting with investors also kind of on a more remote uh platform i would say is communication is important whether you don't like something or you do like something just being open about kind of your perspective on things and having um uh, you know professional conversations about what it is you know you're trying to get out of uh that particular conversation or a particular goal that you have for for the business i think is very important because sometimes you can get so into the weed of things and just be focused on building 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 or growing 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 that you also forget how to um communicate you know, with your your team effectively in helping them understand what the overall chain like goals are for 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 success, 
and also like with founders, like, you know, just understanding that like, you know, you guys are a team and, you know, there is no like separation of business. It's, it is a one business piece. Um, I would say that's probably like one of the biggest things for me. Um, and then the last thing is like, just trusting your gut. Like the, I always say that. And, um, like me and my co-founder, we're, we're Nate, like we're, I'm a very like big picture thinker, um, where he's very methodical, but I think that, um, having both is, is really important. Uh, but at the end of the day, you have to, you know, if, if, if you trust your gut and you've definitely thought through the process and kind of some of the, the scenarios, then, you know, I think that's the right approach to take because, you know, if you don't feel right in the decision-making, then you're, it's just, you're going to continue to have this type of, um, inability or, or, uh, like lack of, um, feeling of making sure that you're, you're feeling like you're doing the right thing. Got it. Um, uh, two two uh, last topics to focus on. One is uh, uh, a little bit more insight on where Coins is right now in terms of the product. Uh, I mentioned in the beginning, uh, you've helped your users pay off more than 20 million US dollars in debt uh, already. Um, I'd love to dive a little bit deeper into the mechanics of that um, uh, and how that works. And then after that, go look at uh, the future a little bit. So maybe let's start first, like if a user signs up to coins right now, what are they getting through the coins experience at the moment? Um, how does it work? Yeah, so how the product works is, um, so we, when someone first signs up, they're obviously there to pay off debt and or now, like to just save money. Um, so when they first sign up, we ask them, okay, what goal is it, you, is it that you're trying to achieve? Is it to pay off debt or is it to save money? Um, typically it's pay off debt, so we'll go that route. Once we've asked them, okay, great, that's the goal you're trying to achieve. We then ask you, okay, how do you want to save throughout the month to achieve this goal? Uh, you know, which what is a saving method that you want to set money aside for uh, with? Is it rounding up money through everyday purchases? Is it payroll deductions? Is it weekly deposits? Is it algorithmic savings? So just giving the customer a, a more sense of like optionality um, to decide what works best for them and their kind of budgeting methods, or even if they don't budget, like something that helps them kind of create a much more structured uh, system for setting money aside. Um, so that's the second step. And then third, you know, in the event that they're paying off debt, you're like, okay, great. We know you want to pay off debt. This is how you want to set, set money aside throughout the month to pay off debt. Now, which debt is it that you want to pay down? Who, 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 where do you want that money to go? Um, and so that's where the, the specific type of debt comes into to, uh, into effect. So like, is it a credit card? Is it a student loan? Is it an auto loan? Is it a mortgage? And from there, we just ask the account number associated with that 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 uh, that loan. And then maybe the address payable if we don't have it on file, which typically we will. Um, and that's pretty much it. We'll then automate the whole process of uh, setting the money aside throughout the month. So if you do like weekly deposits every Friday, money will get into your coins account. And that'll happen every week. And then once per month on a specific date that you can set, all the money that you saved in the coins account will then be sent out to the lender on your behalf. So you don't have to tap a button. You don't have to hit anything. We're actually automating the process of not only saving the money, but then sending the payment out uh, for you as well. Um, so that's kind of like how our product works now. And then obviously on the saving side is the same, same, same steps, except instead of the money going out to a lender, it's just sitting within your coins account. And you can see kind of the accumulation of the funds being held whether it's for an emergency fund, rainy day, you know, specific goal that you want to set up within savings. But um, that's that's really much the process. And again, our value prop is for people that aren't paying down their debts in full every month. And there's a lot of people, it's almost half 
of the consumers either pay the credit cards in full or they only pay the monthly minimums. And we're really tailored to the people that are only paying monthly minimums. They probably have auto pay set for the monthly minimum. We're saying, okay, well, if you can pay extra every month, let's do that because that's going to lower your overall interest that you pay, the overall time it takes to pay down the debt and improve your credit score because you're making double payments on this loan every single month. Got it. Amazing. Um, uh, quite a while ago, I had uh, the founder of Plum on the podcast. I don't know if you came across them. They're based in London here, and uh, they're kind of in the uh, in the space of uh, helping people save more money, uh, also through automatic uh, savings. And when I talk to them and also I talk to a bunch of users, uh, it's just amazing to see how many people are able to save money that they didn't even think they would be able to afford to save, right? Uh, just by small amounts being taken out of the account. And to be honest, I've been in the same situation myself as well with credit card debt, where I was like in the mindset, I either I have to pay off everything at once, or I try to minimize the payments as much as possible. So I can kind of get by and still have money to live, right? And you don't really feel like you have have any, uh, any room for more than that. Um, so I how how's the share for your users? Is it a lot of people that were previously didn't have any savings previously, or that didn't really have any way to pay off their debt beyond maybe the minimum payments they were were making? How does it impact your users? Yeah, so I mean, primarily, I mean, there's definitely products out there to help you save. So we didn't come into the market saying, "Hey, we'll help you save better," per se. Because um, around a methodology has already been there. There's always a lot of products that were already doing that. Uh, what we said was, you know, uh, for those of you that are making monthly minimum payments, um, and most of our customers that we work with do, uh, we said, okay, great, like use our product and we will help you save. Um, and we will also help you pay down the debt faster because we're automating the whole process. So majority of our customers come in and they're either strung tight on money um, or they feel like they are strung tight on money. They're lower to middle middle class income households. Um, most of them are college educated. Um, and they're saying, hey, like, you know, I just probably wasn't taught really well around a financial literacy or two, you know, I just feel like I'm not in a position to do that because I, don't, I haven't built that habit um, and automated it for me. So we come in and say, you know, we don't even say anything. We say, let's take the action of automating this habit first. By automating this habit, we build education. By educating the customer, we then create impact. And then it's a full circle. And that's kind of how we look about look at it when we when we get our customers in. We've always focused on the automation piece, but I think personal finance has three big pillars, automation, education, and recommendation. Um, and so we've always focused on you know automation for the longest time. Now we're really trying to start try drive ourselves into uh, uh, education and recommendation um, to help really kind of close that loop around, okay, like we've helped you build the habit, but how do we help you also not, you know, make the same mistake again, especially going to the holidays, right? And then third, you know, how do we then look at the insights of the transactions that, or the places you are spending money at to say, hey, you could be saving money in other ways. And so we think that it's a it's a, it's a large ecosystem. Um, it's It takes baby steps, for, um, but if we can build the trust of the customer when, you know, with their biggest goal, which is typically to become, you know, financially free, which is paying off debt, 
then we can help kind of start spurring into these other aspects of, of their financial journey, which is saving money, um, which is finding other ways to save um, through transactions, which is through like, you know, debit purchases or, you know, ma- utilizing that as, a, as an impactful way for creatively saving. So those are the things that we're looking at. Great. Uh, one last question I have to you. If you think about the future and let's think uh, 10 years ahead from now, uh, in 10 years time, how would you like the world to look like if coins succeeds? If you succeed as a company, how does the world look like then? Um, you know, I think we're in the business of putting ourselves out of business. And I, what I say when I mean by that is that like, you know, if we've done a good job of helping everyone become debt free, uh, then, you know, we've practically put ourselves out of business. Um, and it's such a big problem that, and I don't think that'll ever happen per se. It's such a simple thing that continues to happen, especially as generations start to get older as well. But <clears throat> this idea of like, you know, if we're doing hundreds of millions or uh, hundreds of billions of dollars, you know, that's still a tip of the iceberg compared to the trillions of dollars that we know is out there that customers are still dealing with. So in a perfect world, you know, we're, we're, we're creating that type of impact on our customers' uh, lives and, you know, hopefully helping them also be able to make these other bigger financial decisions, such as say that we're able to help increase the number of um, home buyers or help increase the number of overall like savings that people typically have in their savings account. Because um, these are very big statistics that's almost crazy to think that you know, in an emergency, people don't have the funds to take care of them, their families or in the event that they want to buy a home, they just feel like it's such a big, big step that, you know, they they, they almost will never be able to buy a home. Um, so in a perfect world, we think that these are all things that are very accessible to each and every individual. Amazing. Uh, thank you, Christian, for sharing your journey, going deep on your personal story and uh, sharing how you're making a difference in, in this space on uh, helping people pay off debt. Uh, really appreciate your time. And thanks so much for joining today. Thank you. And I, I have one more thing I just wanted to share um, because uh, we obviously are, are very focused on like financial health and financial wealth. But um, we definitely uh, want to continue like that focus. And one of the things that we've done was recently launched like our Republic campaign. It's a crowdfunding campaign. So really anyone in the in the world um, can invest in coins and become a part of that journey. So just a $100 minimum, uh, um, you can become an investor of coins. And either whether you're a customer or you're not a customer, you can still participate in kind of this long, long-term journey that we're, we're on. And uh, we'd love to have more and more people kind of supporting the mission that we have. Amazing. Thanks for mentioning that. For anybody that wants to check that out, um, check out the crowdfund campaign on Republic. Uh, uh, it is coins. That's Q-O-I-N-S. Yeah, go ahead. There we go. There we go. No, I was going to say republic.com slash coins, like you just said, Q-O-I-N-S. Amazing. Thanks, Christian. Appreciate your time and uh, see you soon. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share the episode, leave us a review and consider becoming a supporter on buymeacoffee.com slash impacthustlers. This means a lot to me. Thank you very much for tuning in and see you next time. Bye.